Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Superman is officially flying into season two. New characters are coming to National City. And we discuss Action Comics number 252. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode, we are joined by Bob Fisher and John M. Wilson of Giant Superman Podcast to discuss Action Comics number 252, which is the first appearance of Kara Zor-El as Supergirl. So Yay. welcome to Supergirl Radio, guys. Well, thank hey. you for inviting me. And yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, listeners will recognize Bob Fisher from our Season Zero uh, episodes. And John, this is your first time on Supergirl Radio, so a big welcome to you. It's always, always, always so neat getting to be a part of one of my favorite shows. So oh. thank you so much for having me on here. <laughs> well, that's I have been avidly eating up every episode ever since... I guess it was around May, around the time that the pilot snuck out there, that I re- I discovered your show, and I started eating it up over the summer until the show started. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you for coming and talking with us, because uh, this is this is going to be a, a fun sort of <laughs> overdue episode of Supergirl Radio to talk about the first <laughs> appearance of her in the comics. Um, we got a little sidetracked with Season Zero trying to do all the, the current continuity and some of the more recent things. So we're, we're diving back into, you know, the, the first, the very first appearance. But before we get to that discussion, we have the news. According to TVLine.com, Superman is officially coming to the CW Supergirl in season two. Executive producer Andrew Kreisberg released a statement on behalf of the show's producing team saying, quote, Greg Berlanti, Allie Adler, and I are beyond thrilled to welcome Clark Kent and his slightly more famous alter ego to the world of Supergirl, unquote. Um, And though we don't have any casting news yet of who will be playing him, we do know that Superman will be visiting Kara in National City during the first two episodes of the new season. So uh, I'm actually really glad that we have Bob and John on for this episode because of this news, because I think it's very fitting um, since you all uh, are, are super podcasters. What do you guys make of this news? I guess we'll, we'll start with Bob. Uh, you know, I'm kind of mixed feelings on this. Um, they view Superman uh, sometimes brilliantly and sometimes really badly. So I think they have to be very careful who they choose. Um, we've been pretty spoiled, uh, particularly with guys like George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, and Henry Cavill. They have just have been great Superman and Brandon Routh. And, of course, as soon as it was mentioned, the Internet went wild. Oh, we got to have Dean Cain. we got to have Tom Welling. Oh, you know, they want... <laughs> Everybody that has been, 
a, a Superman. Personally, I'm fairly sure, I'm pretty positive they're going to go with uh, not necessarily an unknown, but an unknown Superman actor. This is, I think it'll be somebody that hasn't played Superman before, but I think they need to be a little careful because, again, it's her show. It's a Supergirl show. But saying that, Superman himself has to be the most impressive thing anywhere around. It's Superman. You know what I'm saying? Now, Kara is special. She's Supergirl. But it's Superman. And given the way she has reacted to him in the show, uh, a little, no, I don't want to say starstruck, but a little starry eye. Yes, yes. And and it's obvious from the little um, I am messages at the end of the show periodically that there's a strong affection there. So when he comes on screen for the first time and turns around, people have to be saying, Wow, that's Superman. They can't be saying, oh, that's Brandon Ralph, Dean Cain, Tom Welling guy, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. This, this is very – I am surprised. I was blown away. I thought they would never do this. I literally thought they would never do this. So I'm blown away by it. I could do a whole show, so I won't. But that's my opinion. <laughs> I think they just need to be very careful how they do him so that, one, he is impressive – and then they don't bring him down to build her up. They don't have to do that. Yeah, that's no. I, I that's agree. where they need to be careful. I agree. I definitely think it. it they need to to walk a, a fine line there. Um, John, what are your thoughts on this news? Um, also mixed, but a different mixture than Bob. From the beginning, I was an advocate for the lack of a need for Superman on this show. Um. Whenever they announced that Supergirl was coming to the airwaves, I was so excited to finally have another show of this, you know, this mythos. But I, I've never felt the need for Superman to be here. Acknowledge him in the origin story in some way. That's great. And then you never really need to mention him again. Um, I've enjoyed their uses of him, although I thought the one of the finale was a little bit odd. I don't think I felt as strongly about it as Bob did, but I did. I was a little bit iffy on how these were in the finale, but I like that he's just kind of been a background part in another part of the country, just kind of there. At the same time, I'm really excited that they're using him. (laughs) They they didn't need to do it. I was not expecting it. I didn't need it. I wasn't asking for it, but it's going to (laughs) happen. Superman's going to be on Supergirl, and that's good stuff. Um, Yeah. So I'm really excited about that happening. Um, I, as far as casting goes, um, I agree. I don't think they need to use anyone who has been Superman before. Um, I think that Tom Welling did his part for King and Country or for <laughs> S and Krypton. Um, Brandon Routh was a bit shortchanged. And some would even criticize his, his acting as, and his worthiness to play that part again anyway. Um, but regardless, I don't think either one of them really needs to wear the suit again. I think giving it to a new person to play the character um, with an occasional – they haven't even said anything about a recurring role. I didn't even know he was the two episodes. I thought he was just in the first episode. So the fact he's – I'm guessing I'm anticipating like a two-part premiere. And the only other big thought about it that I have is that with the switch to the CW – 
there's been a little bit of, I think, a negative undercurrent of expectations for the show. CW tends to have a lesser uh, budget, despite the fact that there are three superhero shows thriving on it right now. So I think putting Superman in the premiere is a rather clever way of saying, hey, come check out our show because you're going to want to. That's a that's a that's a good point. It's sort of a, it's a, it is a selling point for sure um, mm-hmm. to have Superman on. Um, Carly, what are your thoughts about this? Because I know all season uh, there was a lot of talk on Supergirl Radio. We talked about the IM chats. We talked about the boots <laughs> at the DEO. Um, what what are your feelings about actually getting to see Superman? Yeah, I I agree with the fact that I think the way that the ways in which they've chosen to bring Clark in to incorporate him into the story, at least as far as last season goes, uh, sometimes more successful than others. Um, I mean, it got to the point where the, the boot shot was ridiculous. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Um, but like, there were things like they cast that actor to play young Clark when she was in her, when she was in the, the dream episode, which I think was for the girl who has everything. Right. Yes, um, that's right. So that was kind of a, that was a that was a unique way to have Clark on the show, you know, pre Superman, and then you know, and then there were other things too, like like we saw him in the episode where she's fighting Reactron, and you see him out of focus, like as she's losing consciousness, which I thought was that was another way they kind of snuck him in there. I'm excited. I would almost be more okay if he showed up and made more of an impact on the show as Clark Kent. And we only saw him as Superman for a, a small portion of that. Um, like the nineties, because, Ellison Clark, because we've seen, we've seen him as Superman on the show already. Like the, that's really aside from the, aside from her dream state, young Clark, you know, young Kal-El, we, we've only really seen him as Superman. Um, even and even though he's kind of I am her and and that sort of thing all off screen, but anytime that we've kind of seen him from a distance or out of focus, he's been Superman. So I think it would be actually be a it would almost be more fun to see him show up in National City as Clark first mm-hmm. initially, um, mm-hmm. and interacting with Kara that way and her friends. Like that would be kind of cool, especially because they know, like, Win knows right. that Clark Kent is Superman now. Um, because uh, I think Jimmy, what well, didn't James uh, uh, spoil the beans? He, he, spoil he, the beans. he totally yeah. added, yeah. added him. Yeah. So, <laughs> really so that did. I think that would be a, a nice way. And also, you know, I I like the character of Clark Kent. I think he's charming and and you know he's awkward and bumbling and and that's why we love him. Um, similar to Kara in that respect, I think they both kind of have those like awkward, goofy sides to them um, when they're not out saving the world. But I also, I'm also curious because it's two parter. I'm also wondering if he'll show up at the end of the first episode and then it'll carry over into the second, like something will happen or, or if it'll be a genuine two parter and he'll be present throughout. But personally, I I'm hopeful that, we'll have more Clark Kent represented this time and maybe just a little bit of Superman. Cause I think that would be nice. I love the idea of Clark Kent coming in first and maybe we'll get a double shirt rip. Something will happen. They'll both, they'll <laughs> that both would take be their awesome. glasses off. Yes. Yes. Fly out the window together. That would be, oh, so, be great. so cool. Yeah. 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 Just cause I think too, like shirt rips. Yeah. 
We got it early on. They haven't really. Yeah. They didn't really do a lot later. It's probably a little bit problematic for for obvious reasons, but I, I, I they did such a great way of shooting it the first time. I really wouldn't mind them doing more of those. It's really really great. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like the idea too of seeing Clark Kent first, and and maybe seeing Clark and Carr first because one of the things I like about. Uh, like things like The Dark Knight Rises or Man of Steel's, you know, those kinds of movies is that, let's say, like the love interest, like Bruce and Selena or Lois and Clark, their first meeting is not of them as superheroes. Like, you know, Batman doesn't meet Catwoman for the first time in their suits. It's the two people who meet right. each other for the first time. And same thing with Lois and Clark. Like, they meet each other as people. She doesn't meet him for the first time in a suit. So um, I actually would sort of like that because it would connect us to them as, um, I don't want to say humans because they're not, they're aliens, but um, but as, uh, Earth, you know, people living on Earth <laughs> um, who, are, who are not in costume. Like, you know, I think we, right. need, I think we need to connect to them as... Uh, well, they'd be. I feel. First. Yeah, right. I think it would. I think it would make them more relatable as cousins. I think it would. I think it would emphasize like the familial aspect because I feel like one of the best parts of the, the of Supergirl so far has been when we just see Kara and Alex hanging out doing normal sister stuff, you know, watching Netflix and eating pizza. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was really. It's, it's very humanizing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually talking to you guys. I'm actually more excited about it now than I was because when the, I mean, to be, fr to be frank and honest and transparent, um, I, when I saw the news, I, 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 you know, I had this like feeling of dread, uh, that kind of came over me because I knew immediately as soon as that happened, there would be people, because I love, I love Henry Cavill Superman and I love mm -hmm. the DCEU movies and as soon as I saw that news, I was like, oh, great. This is another thing that people are going to use to crap all over those movies. <laughs> and I just, you know, I've kind of had it. I'm going to be honest. And so, uh, so it was a little disappointing because I know how the Internet is. I know. I've already seen it. I've already right. seen it. Um, and so it really disappoints me with the Internet that, you know, people can't separate those things. And I know that's hard for some people because some people might get confused. Like, why is that not Henry Cavill? You know, why right, I'm, right. I'm confused about the, the separate universes. Um, but for me, I try to see them as, oh, this is just a different story. They're telling a different story. And that's how I'm kind of going into it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to look at it with a fresh viewpoint and not favor one or the other because I love both of them. I love the DCEU movies and I also love Supergirl. So I'm trying to look at it at, at, at that way. But I know that the Internet is not going to treat it as such. And so that see, I love the multiverse. I love the idea of the multiverse. I love what DC and I don't want to get this into a Marvel versus DC, but Marvel, I think, is suffering a little bit from trying to tie their TV shows too closely right. to right. the movies because sometimes now a TV show will have to wait two years for a movie to come out to finish a storyline. Well, that's the issue now they're running it's into crazy. with the Netflix shows and like agents of shield because there's exactly. such a disconnect and they're they they've tried to connect it all for so long, but now they're, you know, they can only kind of half reference other things or not at all. Like the TV shows can kind of mention the movies a little bit, exactly. but whereas it, DC yeah. now can do anything in the movies right. and anything they want on the TV show. Right. And if they keep the multiverse alive and thriving, they literally can do anything with any of these right. characters mm -hmm. or actors 
they want to do. Right. So and I, I'm thrilled I, yeah. with the potential that we, we're going to have next year with yeah. Legends I think and it, Supergirl. Right. Oh, please. For sure. And I think it helps that they're casting different actors in this in the part, you know, because I know I know a lot of people were disappointed, for example, that Grant Gustin wasn't going to be in the Justice League movie. But I'm like, it's good, though, because we need that yeah. separation. Like, like Rebecca said, like people need to be able to differentiate between the movies and the TV show because they're not going to cross over most likely. So right. it's good to have that separation, even though and, and we people, didn't know yeah. that the TV shows were going to cross over across the networks until, you know. That was never a foregone conclusion in the early days. Right. The relationship between Kara and Clark is a bit of a blank slate. We really mm-hmm. don't know anything about how they have or haven't interacted for the past 20 years. Right. Exactly. It's entirely Except- possible that he was completely hands-off until he saw her go into, go into action, and then he sends her a greeting out of nowhere saying, good job. Right. Well, from the show, it's like you get the impression that he just dropped her off with the Danvers and then flew off. So because they didn't really I mean, we haven't seen it. So I almost think think it would be interesting. Yeah. You know, just knowing and and, and projecting my own thoughts on these characters. uh, We know that he did more than just drop her off. Right. Right. but they haven't told us those stories yet, but that is another fertile area. Should the show stay on long Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. that with flashbacks and other things they can do, that's just incredible stories that, that are there. Right. uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, we're, we're very lucky geeks nowadays, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think for me, the most exciting thing about having Clark and Superman on the show is because, it's it's a connection for Kara to have family. Like she's had mm-hmm. Astra who came in who was kind of crazy for a little bit and then kind of maybe was a cool aunt for a little bit. And then <laughs> and then Nan was like legit crazy. So she hasn't had the best in terms of Kryptonian, Kryptonian. <laughs> interactions. Right. And I, I always one of the things I liked about Smallville was the Kara on that show, Kara and Clark's dynamic. I really love their 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 family bond there, and and even in the comics, and um and so I'm glad to see even if we might not get that kind of thing in the movies, which I was kind of hoping for after that Man of Steel prequel, but that's okay. Uh, the the Man of Steel prequel comic, but if we never see it in the movies, we still get to have it on TV. So that's actually something I'm very excited about. Um, so. So we'll have to see how it plays out, but uh, I, I think we're all kind of cautiously optimistic. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. So ho- hopefully we'll uh, we'll we'll get some fun stories out of this. All right, and also TV Line is reporting that some new characters will be coming to National City in season two. Uh, character breakdowns are uh, first one is Lena Luther, who will be in the twenty-five to thirty-five year old range. Uh, She arrives in town to get out from under the shadow of her infamous brother. She's described as sexy and smart and determined to get what she wants. But what does she want? That remains unclear. Um, Bob, John, uh, what do you guys know anything about Lena Luther, who is Luther's sister? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, Lena Luther. All right, so she is a great Silver Age recurring character for Supergirl. Uh, They're friends. She does not know that she is Lex Luthor's sister. Mm. And in one of the few aspects of complexity in Lex Luthor in the Silver Age, he doesn't want her to know that she's his sister because he doesn't want her ashamed of him or ashamed of herself. 
So I think that's a really neat aspect of, of that particular. Now, Lex Luthor's not in the show, but I think that's a really neat aspect of that relationship with that part of the character. She um, she does have some minor psychic ability in the comics. I'll be interested to see if they play with that at all in the TV show. But but yeah, this is really neat. I'm excited about this. <laughs> Bob, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'll just back up what John said. I'm when, As soon as I saw the name, I went, oh, they're going back. Yay. <laughs> I like it when they reach all the way back to find something from the Silver Age. And that's one of the th- reasons I think I love the Supergirl show so much. Um, you know, it, it may be set in modern times with cell phones and Internet and stuff, but that Kara that we see, that Supergirl, that's as close to a the Silver Age Supergirl as I've seen ever anywhere. Mm. So that's one of the reasons I'm thrilled. The nice, wholesome girl next door trying to do the right thing and, you know, and, and please her cousin and show that she's willing and ready and just wants to help, wants to do it. Yeah, I it's just— It's worth pointing—I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. You're right. It's worth pointing out that in the comics— uh, she has a different last name, which is how she doesn't know that she's Luthor's sister. Uh, the, it's, it's in typical comics fashion. It's Thoral, which is the, oh, that's right, know, yeah. Same letters rearranged, um, but since they're using the name Luthor, I'm wondering if they're going to go on a bit more of a villainous spin with her, which would be a pretty different take on the character that I'm used to. But I think we've all. Well, not at all, but I, I think some people have gotten tired of the not Lex Luthor that we've had so far in Maxwell Lord. <laughs> right. Well, it's uh, it's weird you say that because Maxwell Lord, if they had just moved him just a little bit over that way, uh, it could have still been the evil, you know, genius, rich guy without being so Lex. But they've kind of pulling in little parts of Lex all over the place for him. Will, will Lena Luther as her name, if they get, if they stay with this and her name is Luther, will this be the first reference to Lex in Supergirl? I believe so. I don't, yeah, I don't think we've heard him by name. Yeah. I can't think of any. Maybe uh, they, have they said like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they've like Lex Corp or something. in passing. I don't think so. I don't don't think they've mentioned anything to do with Mm -hmm. Lex at all yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I actually, John, I actually like the idea of her coming on to play a villain because I think mm-hmm. the uh, one of the strengths of a Supergirl is finding a way to make female villainesses uh, a thing, which is great. You know, you have Livewire and Astra and, and Indigo. And I think that's awesome that you have these female villains for a female superhero. And, you know, I, I don't want to define Supergirl as a female superhero, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of nice for me to see female villain versus female hero. I love that aspect of the show. So I hope maybe Kara does go up against Lena in some capacity. Um, Carly, what, what do you make out of this news about Lena Luther? I'm just excited. I, it's, I think it's nice that they're bringing in characters that are in some way related to the more famous, uh, characters of the Superman canon, but, for people, I think that maybe not don't necessarily aren't aren't as familiar with the comics backstory. It's still kind of exciting because it's like a way for us. You know, it's like having Lucy Lane. Like oh, we know yeah. Lois. Everybody's more than familiar with Lois. So it's I think it's a good way to bring in new, new characters that people may not know, especially people like a general audience for Supergirl. Oh, absolutely. That, that may not have the comics uh, uh, arsenal of knowledge. <laughs> so the other new series regular. 
will go by the name Nick Farrow. He's a, quote, brash leading man who butts heads with Kara at CatCo. The son of a famous reporter, Nick is, quote, looking to make a name for himself in the news world, but the question of whether he can leave behind his former selfish and hedonistic ways will constantly arise. In hanging out with Kara, the hero in Nick might finally come out, end quote. Pharaoh, like F-E-R-R-O? F-A-R-R-O-W. Oh. I have, I have no idea if this is a, a character tied to anyone that we might know. They're no, saying I... he's a son of somebody famous, which I, I wonder if it's a different somebody with a different last name then that we, they just yeah. haven't revealed yet. Like maybe it's some, it is somebody more famous and we just, they haven't, he goes by a different name to try and, cause it says he's looking to make a name for himself. So maybe he's, maybe he's, he's leaving trying behind. to distance himself from the legacy. Right. Bob, does that character description have any similarity to Pharaoh lad? I have never read anything no. about him. No, no, no. Okay. He's a Legion, no. Legion of superheroes character. Oh, yeah. that, now see, yeah. that would be fun if they started bringing in some Legion people. Oh, I'm, I am waiting I, for, yeah, no. those are two, wow. two huge things I want. One is Candor and the other is the Legion of superheroes. I want to see a green hand somewhere, grab Kara's hand and say, come here, let's talk. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? I want to see that somehow. Oh, yeah, Brainiac, Brainiac 5, you mean? Brainiac 5, yeah. That's her boyfriend. And, you know. I love most, Brainiac 5. Yeah, me too. And I think they were a great future couple. It also rhymes with Jero, her mermaid boyfriend. True. No, I think they've made <laughs> this guy up to, to bring in another, you know, hunky playboy guy that you're going to hate because of his attitude. But will his story arc, due to his whatever relationship with Kara... Will he see that, oh, there is good people and I can do this? You know, one of those kind of guys, a real jerk playboy or whatever at the first and then, um, you know, become somebody that maybe we like down the road. The redeemable jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he's a cat substitute. Oh, well, that's true. It, it might be a, a way to get someone in there if cat if is limited but um, oh, that's true. I think Kat will be limited. And I think that's how they're going to keep her on the show, actually, is obviously they can't afford to pay her, you know, a recurring character. They're going to have mm-hmm. to they're going to have to have less Cat Grant to make it affordable and um, and less shows because she's not going to move to Canada. Yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. And yeah, am, so. am I the only one who sees this and is like, oh, no, they're going to do a love triangle? They're, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, totally. I was like, yeah, I, I really hope they don't do that because I don't I like we had with the Win and James thing. And and like, right. I don't know. I don't I feel like you don't need to cast a bunch of good looking guys that like fall in love with Kara. Yeah. Or the car or the car gets all like dizzy over because I understand, you know, I mean, obviously she's going to have crushes on people. That's normal. But I don't I just don't want her to like have a thing for a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of see it as like, you know, because at the end of season one, Cara and James seem mm-hmm. like they're going to go right. for it. So this might be a way to kind of throw a wrench in things, um, which, which <sighs> I, I would kind not. of hate. I hate that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't want that relationship. I hate that I trope. I don't want them to be a you, you know, You know what, though? It, it does kind of sound like early days of Clark and Lois. Because hmm. I mean, Lois first. I mean, and, and this is not dissing the character because I know at least at least two of us on here are really big fans of Lois. Um, <laughs> but, I raise, but I just I, raised I, my hand. 
<laughs> but her early days, she is not a nice person. And she was created to embody a lot of the character traits of females that Jerry Siegel had problems with. So initially, in, in her early versions, she's not a nice person. And her relationship with Clark changed and grew over the years. But it mm-hmm. sounds like this could be a similar sort of deal. Yeah, and I, I think there's a, a lot of mystery that might get played with him, which I, I'm actually kind of excited about because I, I wonder what the the hero in Nick might finally come out. I wonder what that's about and how that will happen. So, uh, yeah, this this is inter- this this has me intrigued. This mysterious Nick Farrow that we have no idea what he's about. So, even if they do a love triangle, at least right now, I'm 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 interested. So the remaining three roles are of the recurring variety and include the doctor who is the diabolical female leader of Project Cadmus who uses surgical skills to implant prisoners with alien technology and who sounds a lot like Sterling Roquette. Uh, Snapper Carr, a veteran journalist appointed by Cat to remake the news division by going old school not to be confused with the Justice League sidekick. And the comics-inspired Maggie, an out-and-proud detective for the newly formed Science Police, which deals specifically with metahuman and alien threats. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I I saw Maggie, and I think Rebecca used the same thing, uh, Maggie Sawyer, a.k.a. Kate Kane slash Batwoman's like, long-time uh, <laughs> yeah. love interest. Yes, or, her. Yes. Because the comics, she starts out of Metropolis. Right. And now that they're doing this in the, in the show, she's back in Metropolis in the comics. Yeah. Which I was like, does this mean we're going to get a future Kate Kane appearance? Because I would be all over that. <laughs> I think that would be cool, actually. Because, that woman would be fantastic. Yeah, because if they do, because I know there there have been rumors of like Batgirl in the cinematic universe. So you could swing a bat, a member of the Bat family uh on Supergirl by using her. So I think that would be cool. And I'm actually really excited about, um, I'm assuming this is Maggie Sawyer. They don't have her yeah. last name listed, but by all of the character traits, that's, that seems who, that, right. Like who they're true. saying she's comics inspired and she's, you right. know, a lesbian and, you know, so right. it's like, well, you know, that's you know, probably general, not very many, uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that limits the characters. Right. <laughs> You know, in general terms about Supergirl and so much other good stuff that's happening um, as far as females are concerned, we're not seeing just one stereotypical female anymore. We are seeing the full spectrum of female characters in both leading roles, supporting roles, sidekicks, the main guy. This is so exciting. And now we're actually going to see Maggie Sawyer? In a primetime TV show was she, as a head cop? Come on, this is great. Was she on Smallville? I can't remember if they did a Maggie Sawyer on Smallville. I, I don't s- remember. I want to say Smallville. they did, but I could be <laughs> totally misremembering that. Was um, was that the name of the sheriff, maybe, in the early oh, seasons? No, 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 not the Smallville sheriff. But I I think they had, <laughs> I think they had one in Metropolis, but my, my memory is bad. Um, but I'm excited that, you know, Maggie Sawyer could be coming on and, and I like your point, Bob, that the, all the, all the, the ladies on the show are so 
different. I, I don't different. I, I don't think that they are like you know. There's no one character who is like another character. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see you know because women are all different. So it's it's nice to see that reflected in these characters. Well, um, exactly, and that's the thing that's always bothered me actually about women in the media is it's like they pick you know, okay, let's have this stereotypical blonde and there you go. And well, to be fair, that's kind of true of women in comics too. Uh, so much of the Silver Age, a lot of female characters were defined by the fact that they were the female. Right. Yeah, like exactly. Jean Grey, Susan Storm. I mean, they were really not much more than just, I'm the woman on the team. I'm right, the it was the Smurfette, the Smurfette syndrome. <laughs> yeah, even yes. Wonder Woman for crying out loud. Right, you'd have uh, the one woman. Yeah, it was the one woman, and at one point, I think in a Justice Society story of the Golden Age, it was like, well, she can come in, but you know, when it was time for the, th- could one of you go get us coffee? And yes. they were pointing to yep. Wonder Woman and Black Canary. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They would they would leave Wonder Woman at home and go out to fight. And go out to fight the bad guys. I mean, yeah, was that was a legitimate. That was a legitimate thing. Yeah, she was, she was their secretary. Was yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, you're leaving your best assets here on the bench, everybody. <laughs> Rose, you, need, you guys, you guys really need to rethink this policy. So uh, anyway, I'm really glad to see that, and I think that's one of the great things that we're seeing uh, over the last couple of years in in both movies and TV. And uh, no slowing down. I can't wait for the new Wonder Woman movie, the next season of Supergirl. We've got Fixin coming on, Legends of... I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's just... Again, we're an exciting time, I think, for us geeks right now. Oh, for sure. Although, Uh, while we're rejoicing in our feminism, I I, I do have to say that Maggie Sawyer could also mean Dan Turpin, which is also really exciting. Oh, yes, it could. Mm. I'm wonderful to see... Well, and it's interesting because she is going to be on a science police squad, I guess, of some sort. So I don't know if she's going to be like... It doesn't sound like she's going to be in a formal, like, Metropolis PD capacity. So I don't know if Dan Turpin... It's kind of like a major case, but a science major case. She'll be battling all the big baddies of, you know... Does it use the phrase science police in Uh, the description? In in the TV line article, that's what they used. That's a legion phrase. Oh, is it? Yeah. So we're bringing in Nick Farrow and the science police. Oh. Um, Uh -oh, You're drawing those lines a little too close to the dots now, John. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get my hopes up because I could be totally wrong. Well, we know know that they um, – didn't we see a Legion ring in the Fortress of Solitude? Yes. 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 So – and and we saw – well, I think – Towards the end, yeah. In in the Flash when – the flash goes through uh, the speed force. I think there was that little bit of the Legion ring in there as well. So um, there's, I mean, the Legion exists in this it universe. Exists. So, yes, um, so that could, that could be the thing. Um, what do you guys know about snapper car? Is there something we should, we should know about him? Because well, I, I, I think, I think I, I know him as the justice league sidekick. So uh, well, that's what I did when I saw them, his, his name listed as showing up on this. And I, my first thought was the terrible uh, sidekick of the Justice Society from way back when, and um, then just or Justice League rather in the Silver Age. And I've never been a big Snapper Car fan. He was the one that always, to me, got in the way. To me, uh, I, I feel about Snapper Car like I think some people feel about Jimmy Olsen mm. that. He just is a goofy guy that gets in trouble all the time. 
That's not true about Jimmy Olsen. It may not be true about Snapper Carr, but uh, seeing his name, I thought, well, maybe that'll be comic relief of some kind. But it's a whole different Snapper Carr they're using. And I'm thinking, well, why why did you even use that name? name on a completely different character. Exactly. Why even use that name then? It's a totally different character that they're going to be using in Supergirl. Well, I like the description where it says he's a veteran journalist appointed by Cat to make the news division uh, better by going old school or to remake the news division by going old school. And I kind of like that because I was even complaining just today about how the news is terrible. (laughs) You know, like how, how sometimes like... The internet is all about clickbaits and list art, you know, <laughs> listicles, and right. and while that's fun and awesome, you know, sometimes I I like a little more substance. I like articles that you know want to be about the truth, and so I think that's really interesting. Uh, yes, and um, I am interested to to see why Cat goes in this direction because we've seen you know Cat goes after the news and she has this big media empire, and so some of Cat kind of plays i think both of those angles where like she wants to play whatever's getting the headlines but i think she also is like an old school journalist who goes after the truth agree Agree with you 100 percent. i'm just sorry they use the name snapper car uh, i love the idea and the description of the new character why then use that name unless there was a reporter somewhere in dc world that had the name snapper car well, I haven't read a whole lot of uh, D- uh, DC's JLA history to know if there have been other incarnations or, or renditions of Snapper Carr besides his 60s teenage stereotype. Because the 60s teenage stereotype really wouldn't fit into comics of anything much past 1972. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what he became. But his job in the JLA was to document their adventures and keep records. So News Reporter is not too far off that mark. Hmm, that's a good point. Um, okay. Carly, do you know anything about Snapper Car? Not a thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think I think we'll I think we'll we'll have to do like a character spotlight on him because I don't know that much about him either. So I would like to learn more about him. So we'll have to do an episode on, yeah. on Snapper. Rebecca, I just had to confirm. So Maggie Sawyer was on Smallville. You were right. Yeah, oh. I, I, she had I a recurring role. Yeah, I, I didn't remember the episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was later on. Like, yeah, she was in a couple episodes. Yeah. So, um, thank you for looking that up. That makes me feel better. Good that memory. I'm not, I'm not Good like memory. I'm not totally losing it. Um, <laughs> and I don't know about this doctor character. Um, TV line said that the the character who's supposed to be the female leader of Project Cadmus sounds a lot like Sterling Roquette. Do you guys know anything about that character? Nope. I know Cadmus. I know people who are in charge of Cadmus. I don't remember right. the Sterling Roquette character. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> I, I think if TV Line mentions Sterling Roquette, like, I, I have a feeling maybe we're supposed to look that character up because it's... Yeah, what was, the name of the, what was the name of the woman that had the underground testing chamber uh, in the New 52 that got the New 52 Superman down there? Oh, um, starts with an M. I can picture her, but I can't okay, think Okay, but of it's not name. that character. It's not this character. No. Okay. I just have a feeling like if TVLine.com pulled this out of nowhere, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. My, my suspicion is that someone... They probably like, didn't pull it out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a feeling someone with the show was like, you might should mention this in your article. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I'm, I have a feeling maybe we should know who Sterling Roquette is. So we're going to have to dig, dig up some stuff on her as well. Serling Roquette. Yeah, I just found her. 
Um, she's a relatively new character. She came about in the Superboy series from the 90s. Superboy 56 was her first appearance. So Superboy's t- uh, comic series had a lot to do with Cadmus, and she right. grew out of that branch of the super universe. Okay. That makes oh, sense. So that could have a connection maybe to Superboy. If we well, see- yeah, as soon as they say Cadmus, anytime on Superman, I immediately start wondering if they're going to do clones. Right, oh, right, right. please, I don't want a Superman clone, Superboy clone. We could get a Galatea. <laughs> we could get a Power Girl out of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those are mm. all really interesting characters. I like that we're, we're getting to see some characters. Like, I think, Carly, you mentioned that, that we might not be seeing in the cinematic universe. We get to play with some of these, these other characters that uh, some people might not know. And clearly I have, have no knowledge of some of these characters. So <laughs> that's exciting to, to learn some, yeah. some new people. Well, I'm excited because just, I mean, we're getting two series regulars apparently because they're saying Nick Farrow is going to be a series regular and they're saying Lena Luther, at least it's implied that she's going to be a series regular um, from the description. And then the other three are going to be the recurring uh, characters, but I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I'm glad that the cast is growing. I think it was good to kind of start with a smaller, a smaller group for season one, but I'm glad that it's expanding. And I also think too, it's, I mean, like we were discussing earlier, it's really good to see a more diverse range of characters, not just in terms of like men versus women, but we're seeing like, they're saying Maggie's going to be, you know, an out, lesbian and like i know the show kind of drew some criticism in season one for not really being big with the lgbt you know q representation um so it's really good i think that they're that they're bringing that in now because that's you know that that'll be good for for Mm -hmm. audiences yeah, it's always at the same time. It is the very first TV show that has a superheroine lead. Well, the, well, that's it. Yeah. So it's like you know. I mean, I mean, I think it's one of those things too, where it, like it wasn't going to happen overnight. But I'm 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 really excited that they're, you know, I think they were kind of listening to to people's criticism and and kind of taking that in and and being you know being being thoughtful about it. I don't think it's I don't think. I, I trust the showrunners for sure. I think they, they definitely know what they're doing. So it's, but it's nice to see that they're, you know, they're bringing in, they're going to bring in a range of characters and it's, it's a pretty good mix. I'd say, I mean, I think what out of the five new characters that we're getting, uh, three of them are going to be women. So that's exciting too. Yeah. And I think that's important for Supergirl to have, uh, and I, I don't want to say that with, you know, two, two men present on the podcast, but I think it's important that, that, that women see themselves on a show about Supergirl. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, I hope, I hope the men folk don't take any offense to that. Um, but I, I, I'm totally I, I offended. I'm raising totally offended. <laughs> she loves this show. And can't no, I, handle all of these women getting into sources <laughs> of power. How dare they? But, uh, but I do think that's important. And so it, it's nice to see, and it's nice to see Supergirl, the, the TV show expanding their, their universe and Supergirl's world. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to see, um, all, all, all characters, women and men coming in. Um, yes. And for our last bit of news, Supergirl stuntwoman Jessie Graff became the first woman to conquer the new warped wall at the 2016 American Ninja Warrior Los Angeles qualifiers. So, oh, so, congra- so congratulations to Jessie. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch this, but yeah, it's an impressive yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty cool. I didn't know she was a stuntwoman on Supergirl. I just saw the video. Uh, people were posting the video of her in the Wonder Woman outfit, and then I think 
a news site finally actually said in their headline that she was a Supergirl stunt woman. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they mention it on the on American Ninja Warrior when she's competing because yeah. right. for some reason they have commentators when they're doing this. It's kind of I think it's a little silly. They're like, oh, and she's she's grabbing onto the thing with just inches of her. Fa-. I'm like, you don't have to describe it. We see it. We know, we <laughs> There's know. only inches. She's holding her entire body weight from her fingertips, and you're like, all right, we get it. Yeah, I mean the the, com- the commentary just it cracks me up. But her uh, her ability as an athlete is very impressive. Yeah, and, um, yeah. And I saw another little interview where she was talking about it and she wanted to do it to inspire little kids to get in shape and, and be strong. And I thought that was such a, a great message to uh, put out there for kids. And um, I, I thought she did a great job. It was fun to see her as Wonder Woman, but also represent the Supergirl show. So uh, that, that's very cool. And I was inspired um, to hit the gym because <laughs> uh, I, I definitely have new arm goals now. So thanks. Uh, to Jesse Graff for my new uh, my new um, hashtag arm goals. Um, so that's going to do it for our news section. Um, so let's get into our discussion about Action Comics number two fifty two, which actually uh, was first released. Uh, the first print release was April thirtieth, nineteen fifty nine, and of course it was the first appearance of Kara Zor El as Supergirl. So here is the, dis- the issue's description from Comixology.com. It says, quote, Witness the origin and first appearance of Supergirl in The Supergirl from Krypton. Kara Zor-El, Superman's long-lost cousin, arrives on Earth and adopts a secret identity to aid Superman in the ongoing fight for truth and justice, unquote. Uh, Bob and John. Um, would you like to give us, do you guys have some context to this issue? Because this was back in 1959. You know, what was going on in the world of DC Comics and, and Superman? Why, why did they want to introduce Supergirl? Uh, it's interesting, by the way, just as a little note on Action 252. Uh, Supergirl got the cover to this. And her story is the cover story, her first appearance. But it's also the first appearance of Metallo. That's right. And, you know, that is, that's huge. In one Tencent comic, you get Metallo and Supergirl, one of which DC thought was a one-time throwaway uh, character. That would be Metallo. They thought, that was it. We'll have him here and boom, dead, gone. Supergirl, they had been trying several times over the course of uh, DC Comics to bring a super-powered female. Uh, They tried many times. Uh, One of the funniest was when uh, Superboy, actually, uh, because he insulted a woman spaceship pilot about her flying the spaceship, she cast a spell on him and turned him into a female. And, um, yeah, that's a pretty interesting story, too. (laughs) But this one, uh, I was seven in 1959 when uh, I read this for the first time. And uh, I, I don't really have much memory of it at the time. It was later, I think, as a teenager when I went back and read some of these that it started to really sink in. Or even before that, when you started reading some of the sequential storytelling in the back of Action Comics. Because this was one of the first characters, as John as I have talked about before. At this time period, we're talking late 50s, early 60s, almost all comics on the stands at that time were one and dones, either three, eight, ten-page stories or one 
32-page story, but it was a one-and-done. You didn't continue the story from one story to the next to the next to the next comic. Supergirl was one of the first characters to actually do that. Her stories in the back of action comics uh, were continued from one to the next. So it was kind of the first um, example of decompressed storytelling. Which is the exact opposite, by the way, of this particular story. I don't know if we're going to talk details of this story or oh, not. Oh, yes, we can. Okay, good. Because uh, this was during a time of incredibly compressed storytelling. They had to get from one thing to another. And how are we going to do it? We'll do it in one panel. We'll just make this ludicrous statement and the kids will go along with it. Okay, great. So, uh, but at the time in DC Comics, John, uh, what was actually going on in 1959 for DC? Since well, you just finished reading them not too long ago. Well, 59 is a little bit in, in my past, but okay. So, Superman was selling. Superboy had been going since 1946 or 44. So I want to say, you know, mid 40s. Um, Jimmy Olsen had a spinoff in 1954, and Lois Lane's series had just recently started up um, the previous year. So the Superman family of titles and family of characters is definitely expanding over the years. Um, but 1959 is definitely an era of comics where the um, the gender division in the reading audience and the demographic percentages were much more in line with what they are for humanity in general. You had a pretty even split of boy and girl readers of comics um, during this time period. You didn't really start losing big chunks of your female audience until about 10 years later, um, five to 10 years later. So mid-60s to 67 or so. Yeah, the, the, the idea of having another female character, a young girl, a young girl who, you know, was related to Superman, but wasn't nece- wasn't necessarily tied to Superman for the stories. Um, was was in my opinion pretty great. They had run a few months earlier um, a test comic. And this is something that wasn't too uncommon. Whenever they wanted to throw in ideas, they would throw out a similar idea and see what kind of response they got. And that was this story where Jimmy Olsen, um, because this happens, he got a wishing staff where he oh, could make three wishes. Yeah. Y'all talked about this, right? I, I think we briefly uh, hit on it in the uh, kind of the history of Supergirl. Um, but why, why don't you give our listeners kind of a reminder of what that's about? Just a brief bit. Cause I don't remember all the details, but one of the three wishes, one of the portions of the story is that he wishes for a female version of Superman as and a companion. Get, for yeah. Superman. As a companion, as a friend, I think even as a love interest. Uh, exactly. And uh, an older character with more of a beehive-style haircut appears, and they have their adventure, and she dies at the end. And it's a little bit— Sacrifices herself. Yeah, it's a bit on the tragic side. So, But they did have a really positive uh, response to the idea of a woman wearing a Superman costume. So they launched this uh, story in the backup here, and— they're committed to it as a series from the word go. This is a new series, a new super character. They're they're doing it. It's going. It replaces Tommy Tomorrow, which had been running for 10 years in action comics. Tommy Tomorrow is a future space character. And they even have one Supergirl story early on where she goes to the future and meets him. Um, but he's now shunted out of the books, make room for her. And yeah, 
I don't know how much we want to get into the history of the character from here, like like in action comics, but it's a delightful strip. Uh, my mm-hmm. son loves it. My daughter loves it. Uh, mm-hmm. I read a Supergirl story from this era to my son at least once a week at bedtime, and and yeah, uh, we we can get into the story, but I don't know exactly what thought process they had that led them to it, but it was definitely something that seems like it was just a natural outgrowth of the of the of the franchise at the time. Yeah, that actually, for me, puts puts a lot of this in context because uh, one of the, I guess it's like the first page in in, in my com in my uh, DC Comics app. It's actually page twenty one of the issue, and it says, uh, "But the launching of a new member of our our super family." And so that actually puts it in context for me that the the Jimmy Olsen. I assume you're talking about Superman's pal that series and Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, um, putting it in the context of those, you know, series of, uh, stories that actually helps me kind of put where all of this fits in together. Um, Carly, I'm curious, um, because we've, you know, we've seen Supergirl's, uh, backstory and kind of where she comes from on the TV show. What did you think about how it how Kara's, uh, escape from Krypton and all and all of her origin was depicted in Action Comics 252. Well, it's interesting because I mean it's pretty similar, I'd say, in terms of the age the age range. I mean, she's I would say in this maybe she's in the comic she's a little bit older than she was in the show. I think it's stated somewhere down the road that she's 15 when she lands. Yeah, oh, okay. which I think in this in the show she's probably co- closer to like. 12 i think she's maybe. 12 yeah yeah so but i mean they're definitely in thinking the comic too trying to make her look very youthful and younger um because she's supergirl obviously um but yeah i'm looking it's interesting that they're although i thought it was it's interesting in the comic that she didn't leave uh krypton the same time as clark though yeah not yeah, that's not a total retcon yeah that's a yeah. total retcon is okay. that the word retcon, recon, recon? Well, just different versions of, of they the, changed uh, it of the story. Yeah, oh, they the, did. Yeah, she, yeah. she did not. He actually points out to her, "You weren't even born when Krypton exploded. How could you possibly be, you know, from Krypton?" And that's where they have the whole Argo City right, thing come in, right? Yeah. And then the and the chunk of the chunk of the planet, and they actually it's changed the chunk yeah. of the planet too. That um, I think later in the Silver Age. Uh, the, uh, when the chunk Argo City flew away and tacked off of the planet, it didn't just do so luckily because, ooh, an air pocket came with it, luckily. Uh, <laughs> they they uh, fixed that later so that the scientist Zorel, Jorel's brother, uh, was experimenting with a force field dome around the city of Argo hmm. before the planet exploded. And because that was in place, the force field kept Argo City from exploding when the oh. planet did and threw it, uh, which um, is a little better, you know, scientifically, yeah. other than just, wow, weren't we lucky that our city got thrown off of right. the planet, but this and air le- pocket came with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other thing I thought was interesting was that they they clearly didn't know that Kal-El, you know, Clark, Superman had had gone to Earth already because they're, you know, they're trying to figure out a way to send her away. And and her mother looks at the 
super space telescope to, to find the to find the world where she can grow up, you know, safe right. from the radiation. It's um, not just a telescope for looking into space. Right. It's not just a space telescope. <laughs> it is a super space telescope. It's a super, super space telescope. Um, but, you know, we don't even... It's interesting now to think about all of the Kryptonian mytho- like mythology that's been established since this because... You know that you see the the teles- this telescope's view of somehow she can see to Metropolis like with Superman. They're like, "What is he wearing? I don't know." That's an interesting and look. Tune in to the audio so they can actually learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they decipher right. the language. Earth language. English. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting now knowing what we know about how they've established like what the S shield is a symbol for. It's actually right. a Kryptonian thing, which I think is kind of gives it a little bit, you know, it's more than just, oh, he's a Superman, so we're going to put the giant S on him. <laughs> right. Right. Which is exactly um, what it was at this time. At this right, time, the right. S was an S. Exactly. The S was an S. It meant Superman. Yeah. But it's interesting now kind of reading this because you think about how the universe has expanded and been built on since then. So well, that's why I was saying earlier that to read this story – uh, it's very compressed storytelling. If they were going right. to tell this exact same story today, you're looking at a six to twelve uh, story, you know, book mini story about mm-hmm. the explosion and then the Argo City surviving, the lead shielding. Oh, and the scientist Zorel just happened to have in his laboratory enough. Uh, bales or rolls of lead sheeting to cover so many coincidences in five panels in the middle of this story it's just (laughs) staggering i i felt so bad for these people because they escape krypton's explosion and they're like hey we're good we got air we got a food machine we can stay alive we're all good and and then they find out that kryptonite is affecting them and they're like crap what do we do so then they put this lead over it and they're like oh now we can breathe we're good. We're good. We we covered it the kryptonite. Then everything. And we don't need is, to tend our soil because we have a food machine. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know what the food machine is putting out there, but they're they're good. They can live off it. And then <laughs> um, once they take care of the kryptonite, everything is great until like when Kara is in her childhood. These meteors crash through the lid, and all the kryptonite radiation is coming out. And so I just felt so bad. It was like every time things were good something else would happen. So I, I thought it was actually kind of unfair. I was like, geez, they, they had a tough existence because everything that just makes kept me falling so good. apart. So that makes me feel so good to hear you say that because so many people will read some of these old stories and with modern sensibilities, laugh at them or just say, well, that would never happen. That's stupid or this or that. But picture yourself uh, as the person reading this, as the kid, and I'm telling you, you do feel for these people. You think, oh, my God, this whole city survived, but now they're not going to survive. Oh, yes, he's saving. Oh, but now they're going to. Oh, and, and then to decide, like Jorel did, to send your daughter off knowing you're going to die. You are not going to live, but I'm going to send my daughter away. That's still, to me, very – that's one of the most touching parts of the whole Superman mythos is what a mother must be feeling and how confident she must know that life here is over. I'm sending my child into the unknown. Yeah. That's that's a dramatic story. That's one of my favorite aspects too and especially with the Supergirl story. But in this issue, as much as I felt – 
bad for the these people that they kept getting, you know, happiness yanked away from them. I thought that that aspect, Bob, where like the tragedy of everything was kind of glossed over. Um, you mm-hmm. talk about the compressed storytelling and how like they don't I, they don't have a chance to expand on things. Like there's no for me when I read it, I was like, I don't feel connected really to these people. Like I didn't feel like there was a lot of emotion. Like we read right. we read Kara's parents say farewell, Kara, but we don't actually see them saying bye to Kara. We don't get to see them as the ship blasts off or, you know, I hate to sound morbid or as they die. Like we don't see, we don't see that kind of stuff. And then we read Kara saying, you know, my, my father, my mother, all the people are dying. I'm an orphan of space now. And we hear, you know, we see the words written, but we don't see her. We don't see that emotion. So part of me thinks that I can't really connect with that, even though like, the the next panel has the narration saying, you know, calling it the tragic story of Kara. And she has this, you know, one single tear of sadness that comes out. But <laughs> I but I just I personally, when I was reading it, I was just like, I would have wanted to see more from these people. Like, I think the tragedy is seeing what they what they lose. And it just seems like, oh, well, they had a month to prepare. They did everything they needed to do. But then there's no like real emotional goodbye. So I think that was what was kind of, and maybe that's because I've seen other depictions of this story where it's been a little better uh, and been more effective for me. So I think this, this version of it, the the first version of it, I think it set the stage fairly well, but I I think it could have been more. And if they had had more than eight or nine, 10 pages to do it. Six and a half. Is that what it is? Six and a half? Wow. Well, it's seven and a half, but then you have like the big splash page at the front. So it turns out more like like yeah. like less than seven pages. But um typical of the era is is to sort of bypass emotions. Like things will make Superman sad. He definitely wears his heart on his sleeve, but you'll get like the word choke or sob in a speech balloon, and maybe let like you said, the one single tear, and then you keep on going. Yeah. So they they give you just enough. And I have to wonder if, you know how whenever we were younger and we read stories, like they were so much more expansive in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they're just taking advantage of that child reader psychology. Um, you know, we as older readers, we really like to get into a really expanded and developed emotional scene. But kids don't always have the time to imagine the, the, the patience for that. And yet at the same time, it plays out that way in their heads. And or at ki- least it did when I was a kid, maybe I'm an unusual. No, I, no, I think I, you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, and, and kids might not have the, I'm trying to think about when I was a kid, like what I have a concept of what if I had to be separated from my parents and you know, they were going to die. Like what, would I be able to process that as a kid? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah. I, I, I think that you, you have a point there, John, that maybe they were trying to cater to a younger audience. But looking at it, like you said, as an adult, there's, there's something more I want out of it. Right. Does anyone have any other thoughts about the, the backstory, Krypton, any of the Kryptonian culture? Uh-huh. Well, I think part of the thing too, when you say you know you didn't get the you know attachment to these people, I think some of us uh, at the time, particularly as a seven-year-old, I'd been reading comics, I guess, for three or four years by that point, and many of the stories prior to this uh, in the previous year 
were about Krypton. So they were starting in this general area in 57, 58, 59 to give us more stories about um, Krypton. So uh, we knew Jor-El, Laura. We knew, you know, um, Jaxer, I guess, by this point. We knew some of the villains. So some of us, you know, even in just the two panels, uh, you know, can feel what it must have been like. But uh, like you, as an adult, I'm thinking, you know, they were all dying of kryptonite poisoning. It wasn't like the plant, their little city then exploded and instantly died. So even after they sent her off Argo City, the rest of the population of that place uh, lived out whatever time they had, uh, not in a blaze of glory, but a probably very painful kryptonite poisoning death right (laughs) Um, sorry i'm an adult i didn't think of that when i was a little kid yeah yeah i did want to point out one thing about this whole argo city scenario since it has been modified so much in other versions um the 90s supergirl the matrix uh from the other dimension supergirl um one of the things that that version of Supergirl has come under criticism for is just how complex her backstory is. It's hard to sum her up in a few sentences, like Supergirl is the cousin of Superman. And, and it's hard to take the Matrix Supergirl and sum her up so easily. But Peter David, who wrote so much of that character, actually came back and said, well, if you really think about Supergirl's story... She's not really just a cousin of Superman because she wasn't even alive when Krypton exploded. And there's actually a pretty complex thing going on in her background as well, which is, I think, some of the mindset you have in a lot of retellings whenever this, in various and sundry methods, this whole storyline has been shorthanded. And the TV show and the New 52, Power, even even the 70s Power Girl, um, you know, Krypton 2 and Earth 2, they, they had a different origin story for her. So it's... Um, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that gets changed a lot. You know, and it's weird because even though she looked like Supergirl, I never, in my brain, when I was reading those stories, considered the Matrix Supergirl. And I think as good as some of those stories were about Supergirl and were good Supergirl stories, I think he was saying, here is this other character with this totally different backstory who is now going to make herself look like Supergirl and by doing that the reader because after a point you're not keeping her origin in mind you're looking at her page after page doing super things like Supergirl acting like Supergirl you start adding the Kara Zor-El feelings and putting them on this matrix girl so he was able to peter david and others sterling gates were able to write store or not sterling gates um but they they tell stories about the matrix supergirl but are tapping into memories and feelings that the reader may have about the kara supergirl i don't know if i was making myself clear it's kind of a To me, that was kind of a cheat. They wanted to get rid of Superboy and Supergirl and all the other stuff back in the 80s because they wanted to go back to the last son of Krypton, the only surviving Kryptonian. So they got rid of Kandor and Supergirl and Superboy and all of the stuff. But then they found out a year or two or into the run after that that, whoa, people kind of liked Superboy and Supergirl. We should bring them back. Well, we can't have Superboy 
Superman when he was a boy. So let's make a clone. Okay, that takes care of Superboy. Well, Supergirl was killed over here with that, so we can't have Supergirl. But, oh, we can have this other Matrix thing that'll look like her. Bingo. Now we can tell Supergirl stories again. To me, why not? It's kind of like we were talking earlier with Snapper Carr. Why give an all-new, different character, different power set, different feelings, different emotions, different, different, different stuff? the same name as a previous character and look well, because that previous character is gets people to read it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think, uh, Carly, you mentioned that there's a lot of stuff in this issue in, in two fifty two where, I mean, it is recognizable as what we know today. So I think it's really cool that even in this first appearance, of Supergirl, we, we see a lot of the same stuff. Like it's still something that people pull from still uh, source material for the writers of Supergirl. So I, I like that a lot. Well, it's, and it's interesting too, that, I mean, I was reminded of the show in just the fact that there's the panel where Supergirl's like, well, can I start like being a superhero right away? <laughs> and he's like, no, you'll need to practice before you can use your powers properly. Which I was like, but she did that on the show. That was kind of cool. Like it was, I mean, it was a growing, you know, she hadn't, we see her and she's been, and she's been in hiding. She hasn't used any of her abilities and, you know, she's rusty. Takes her a couple tries to actually get off the ground the first time. Um, And, you know, and she has to work on her control and her, you know, and and her endurance. And Alex has to kind of teach her how to, you, you know, how to fight properly because she has the strength but she doesn't have the finesse of fighting so i thought that was a nice little you know i don't think that was maybe necessarily deliberate uh callback but it just reminded me of of her her growing on the show and how she had to basically kind of relearn but also uh harness her abilities do you think i do want to make sure that we understand that this is supergirl learning to use her abilities not Superman training her to use her abilities because I I've heard that bandied around the internet a few times. And I just want to clarify in the comics and in the TV show, Superman never trained Supergirl. He just mm-hmm. gave her a place and some time <laughs> right. to get herself together. Although here's a think- nice little midvale, and you can go over there and practice on this city. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Well, what I think is so funny about Action Two Fifty Two is that he says, "No, you need to practice and." the panel right before that she's flying just like he is. And I'm like, what does she need to practice? She seems, (laughs) she's got this down. She's flying. It's fine. Um, And in the next couple of scenes, they actually show her very easily using x-ray telescopic vision, flying around. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. She's good. I think she's going to be okay. Superman. Um, But that, that actually (laughs) gives us a, a good segue because I think we should talk about the Superman, Supergirl, interaction and their relationship and how they uh, connect to each other and kind of how he helps her establish her secret identity and all of that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Carly, what did you think about how Superman and Supergirl connected? Well, it's funny because we were talking about how it's hard for us to really uh, sympathize with the characters because they can't really express too much. But I actually really liked the panel where they realize their familial uh, connection and then she hugs him. Like, I thought that was actually kind of cute. That is cute. Yeah. Then she's like, you're and he's like, you're my cousin. Great Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a nice, it's a nice little thing. Cause she like, she throws her arms around him and she's like, you know, 
we have each other now. I'll take care of you or whatever. I think he says that to her. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very sweet. But then he's like, no, no. <laughs> she goes, she goes, I'll come and live with you. And he goes, nope, that's uh, not going to work. <laughs> yeah. it, it was sweet just... for, it was sweet for a second. It was sweet for two seconds. And then he's like, mm, nope, right. and that's not going to work. Okay. Well, and, and of course, at this time, the Kents are dead, so he can't do what he did in some of the modern retellings and in the animated series where he kind of dumps her off with the Kents. I don't want to say dumps her off, but says, hey, they did a good job with me. Here, go over there now. Well, I, I like that a lot more. I mean, because, I mean, okay. you don't like the orphanage, John? <laughs> he sticks her in a dowdy wig. Right. She, okay, re, you realize, of course, that Kara walks around almost 24 hours a day, not in her own hair. Yeah. Like she's wearing a wig all the time. Which I'm and sure is itchy and uncomfortable. Not the Supergirl. <laughs> well, that's that's probably true. Maybe Kryptonians <laughs> have uh, a, a way to protect protect themselves from itchy wigs. Yeah. But but she goes to this orphanage and I mean if it if it weren't for her superpowers and her cleverness and fixing things up, she has the crappiest room in all of comics. <laughs> I mean the that bed's room broken. <laughs> yeah, and the mirrors. Well, what about the continuing there. stories after this, John, where 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 uh, people come to the orphanage looking to adopt a child and she sabotages every time a couple says, Oh, I like this young woman or whatever they have about Linda. And that time, Linda Lee, right? Uh, she will do something to make them think, "Oh no, we can't have her. We'll take this other little boy." But it's not because she likes the orphanage; it's because she has to obey Superman. Exactly. And, and you know, I can respect the whole desire to obey your elders, saying that they're trying to communicate. But let's put a real world spin on this. She is jeopardizing her life and future and happiness because she's trying to obey this random dude who <laughs> met her when she got out of the rocket. All right. Who didn't and, even and, tell her what his real name was. I noticed he never says, oh, my name is Cal. But like he knows that her name is Kara. But he never mm. she continues to refer to him as Superman. She, she calls him Cousin Superman. Yeah. Cousin <laughs> so yeah, I thought, I thought that, that was weird. They find out that they have a related father. So they find out that they're cousins. So again, she's obeying some random dude that she never knew as a family member until five minutes ago. Five minutes and ago. And so, yeah, but you're right. He never does tell her his name. I never realized yeah. that. A little later, they did. They actually do change oh, that. Okay. And usually, when they're together, she either calls him Clark or Cal. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of coloring errors in in my copy. I meant to pull out the original that I have over there in the comic boxes Ooh. and look. Um, but they mm -hmm. have. <laughs> you guys notice they're coloring uh, Supergirl's legs blue. No. Right after the panel where she hugs him, where they announce their cousins at same page, and they're flying off then together. Oh no, ours is okay. Ours is right. Yeah, on the, Yours, on the uh, digital copy, it, it looks fairly normal. Yeah, yeah, they are blue in the original there, and there are a couple places where she's green or her suit's colored wrong. Right. So they oh. have corrected that in the comicsology version. I don't have the comicsology version up on my. For some reason, I was having a problem connecting to them. I also don't get the point of the wig. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> like, it makes absolutely no sense that she that she wouldn't be she would be recognized. I think as 
I don't know. Yeah, As I don't a, know. Well, it's like, it why would, like, making sense. a brunette make her, yeah, like, it would make her more, you know, I guess, I don't know, uh, uh, what, do they, what do you call it, uh, you know, like, she'd fade to the background more, I guess, in- because she's not a, that's so, it. Uh, you're actually, <laughs> oh, see, I hadn't put that on the term that you're actually saying that the blonde, by her being blonde, that is super, and there's more importance to being blonde than a brunette, that a brunette makes her less stand out conspicuous or i think less i think well i think she would probably stand out more if she was a blonde that's my that's my logic behind why they would put her in this like you know this brunette wig well, as a kid it made absolute perfect sense to me <laughs> uh, not necessarily the pigtails but uh <laughs> having a wig to change the way her hair color looks right uh, well, it's like the glasses on clark except that supergirl doesn't exist Right. <laughs> I mean, no right. one knows what a Supergirl is, and spoilers, no one will know for a really long time. It's true. So she's establishing a secret identity that she doesn't need yet. That she doesn't need. <laughs> right. It's Which one of the weird. things I had hoped they had done in the TV show, uh, but I understand why they didn't at all. But I would have liked them to have her have a different name as uh, her secret identity than to be Kara. I mean, she's Kara. She's she's that's her Kryptonian name. So you're saying yeah. that you would have rather her ha- had adopted like a Linda Lee type yeah. identity instead yeah. of having her be Kara Zor El and Kara Danvers. Yeah, that's yes. in, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, though, and I think that it might be generational, but I still think the secret identity is very important to most superheroes, particularly Superman. <laughs> Well, and, I, I, uh, I guess in terms of the show, though, I don't think people do. Pe- people don't know that Supergirl, like her real Kryptonian name, is Kara Zor-El. Right. What happens if now that they're going to bring Superman in and he shows up or at the, uh, you know, whatever newsroom and there's Cat saying, "Kira, can you bring?" Blah, blah. Oh, that, she's got a new job now, so she probably will be calling her Kara from now on. Right. But. Um, I mean, suppose that happens and Superman and Supergirl are flying together and he calls her Kara in front of people. Mm. And somebody just says, wow, what a coincidence. That girl that works for Cat Grant, her name is Kara, too. And I've <laughs> never heard another Kara <laughs> anywhere else on the planet ever. Unless he calls her Supergirl. I don't know. That would be my. <laughs> right. Yeah, that'd be my guess. He yeah. would he would have to call her Supergirl in front of, you know. Right. Well, that's only a problem for guys like me who really <laughs> like the whole shh, secret identity thing. I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, James gave away Clark Kent. I was going to say you wouldn't guess that <laughs> secret identities are important to like any of the superheroes on the CW because. <laughs> pretty much the entire cast of those shows know that like Barry <laughs> Allen is the Flash and 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 Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow. Like there's right. no there's very few exceptions. Yeah, Barry could hide his identity so much easier than the rest of them because he's True. got so many nice super tricks and the mask and costume covers. But he everything. just tells everybody anyway. So but it he's really just matter. so happy to be a <laughs> be the Flash. He's just so happy. Yay! Guess what? I can run really fast. There, there, there is something though about the name choice that kind of bothers me. Linda Lee, is because the whole yeah, Linda Lee, uh huh, the whole LL thing, which oh, the LL thing bothers you. 
Well, because it's all of his girlfriends have LL. <laughs> <laughs> and they even say that. They say that in the comic. He's like, Lana Lang was my girlfriend when I was Superboy. And like Lois, Lois Lane, Lane was, was Lois Lane and, replaced her when I became Superman. <laughs> right. And I just have to ask Carly and Rebecca, has yeah. either of you read Superman's Super Courtship? No, never have. Nor Okay. It's a Supergirl story. Where she tries to find Superman, uh, eternal love life partner. Hmm. And Bob, should, should, should I do this? Should, should I talk about this? Yes! Sure. Okay. That's, that's my daughter in the background saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story. I so Supergirl decides that she's going to find a woman for Superman who looks just like an older version of her. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> that's and Superman not creepy at all. That makes sense because I would want to marry someone just like you. No. It's <laughs> illegal for, for cousins to get married in some states on Earth. It was definitely unlawful on Krypton, so we're not going to get married even though you can do it some places on Earth. But And they share a nice, sweet, romantic hug. And... And life continues on like that didn't just happen. So it's really bizarre. But yeah, at this point in 1959, Luthor didn't have a first name yet. And I think Lightning Lad had only appeared once as Lightning Boy. So at this point in history, LL is strictly reserved for girlfriends. Hmm. And Linda Lee is the name that she picked. Doesn't Peter David also play with that in his run? Um, I know we read Many Happy Returns on for Supergirl Radio. Yes. And um, in that, there's a whole thing where Superman and Supergirl uh, <laughs> have a kid, if I remember correctly. Um, so that, that story made me a little uncomfortable. So, uh, I, I think, I think there is this, this strange thing. I think that sometimes, uh, writers do kind of play with a little bit. There's even a story where Jimmy marries Lucy Lane, Superman marries Lois Lane. They each have children and Jimmy and Lucy's son Marries Superman and Lucy's daughter. Uh, Lois's daughter, yeah. I, I can't remember Lois's daughter. That. So that's yeah. first cousins. <laughs> first by... cousins by first cousins. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the sisters having children who get married. Right. So it gets real weird. But uh, the LL thing, there's a wiki page that goes on and mentions uh, from the time it started to. I think it went all the way up to 2010 the last time I looked at it, but it was all of the LLs in the Superman universe and in DC. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens, just 30 or 40 of them. And some are one-time shots that came in and disappear. Others are very famous. Lori Lamaris. Yeah, we didn't mention all Lori, of his, yeah. you know, all of his other girlfriends. Um, I mean, I and even she mentioned your year at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he even mentioned it here, Linda Lee, when she picks the name herself and he, he's thinking to himself, wow, <laughs> that's interesting because all my, my sheer coincidence, <laughs> all my girlfriends have been LL and now my cousin is an LL. And I love the way, and I think you mentioned it, Carly, the way he says that when I was a boy, Lana Lang was my girlfriend. But now as Superman, she's been replaced by Lois Lane. <laughs> 
Well, and it's it's funny because they try to say they try to give it a thing where she says Kara says, "Well, while you were gone getting me Earth clothes, I used my super hearing and I heard many Earth girls' names, and so I thought of a good one for myself." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> she used her hearing to like eavesdrop on people, I guess, and what? she figured out a name from that while he was gone. I don't I mean, know. If I mean, if, if I had her. super hearing, I would probably eavesdrop on people. It's just funny. It's just funny that it's like, <laughs> that's how I came up with it by sheer coincidence that has the same first, you know, initial Latin. Yeah. In this as your as both of your long term girlfriends. <laughs> well, they could have named the Danvers something with an L, and they didn't. So it's good true. for them. Good for them. Yeah. And in fact, the Danvers, I think, were handpicked by Superman eventually, or at least okayed by him. Well, well, do you guys have any uh, just kind of general thoughts about this issue and and uh, what you take away from it in, in terms of Supergirl's first appearance? Um, Bob, we'll start with you. Well, my general thing is is that Supergirl was long overdue. I was thrilled when she came in, and I loved the Superman number 123 look of that story, her first one, even though I thought it was kind of a sad story and kind of dumb. Jimmy Olsen wishing for a female for Superman. Uh, but this story, I like it a lot, even even in and with all the little jokes that we can make of the bad physics and the bad science and the bad wig and everything about it, the concept, uh, I like, and I think some writers have done a really good job of flushing out the full story and putting in some other things. But, um, I think this is a great way to start Supergirl. And like John said, this strip that follows now, uh, for the next couple of years, three, four, five years in a row, we'll have Supergirl, um, in her own overarching long form story of uh, becoming well known, getting announced to the world, finding parents, boyfriends, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Going to college. Going to college, exactly. Uh, her first Legion stories. It, there are some great, great stories. I would highly encourage anyone who likes Supergirl to try to dig up these. Uh, these early Supergirl stories as much as you possibly can. I just think they're fun, fun reads. Even though at the time Jim Mooney becomes the main Supergirl artist, and I wasn't a huge fan of Jim Mooney at the time, basically because of the way he drew the S symbol, which we didn't even talk about Al Plastino's art in this. Uh, not my favorite of this era, as John and I have talked about before, but... Al Plastino was incredibly important in many, many important Superman stories. He happened to be either be the artist or the, the co-creator. So, but I love the story, and I'm really glad you guys decided to cover this and, and get the early origin of the first Supergirl out there. Yeah, I, I actually I enjoyed the art uh, for the most part. It was actually pretty you know, clean, very simple, and... Uh, told the stories that needed to be told. So, um, yeah. That's I, one thing about the Silver Age artwork, excuse me for interrupting, no, but no. Telling, the, telling the story through the artwork, you might, some people might think that this artwork from these days is not quite as sophisticated or as detailed or this or that, but it really tells the story. It moves it along, and that's what a comic artwork is supposed to do. It's not just supposed to be page after page of pinups. It tells a story through the pictures, and I think Al Plastino does do that. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of his, but I do like him. I mean, you know, I'm not 
It's not like I hate him. It's like saying, <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, Snickers. Yeah. I just, like Snickers, but, you know. It's just not it's your not, preference. Not my preference, right. Yeah, um, I totally understand. Um, John, what what do you think about this first appearance of Supergirl? It's very charming. Um if you haven't read other DC from the time period, the writing level is rather juvenile. And the first time I read this, I was put off by that. I've read a lot more Silver Age comics by, you know, by now and thousands of them. And, um, and it's just, it's just the way comics were written at the time was for different age levels. So if you can get past that, this is a really charming story. Um, she's a great character. It's a, it's a nice little setup. Yes, there's stuff we can make fun of. And yes, that's kind of some of the fun of going back to Silver Age stories is to see just how things were played off as completely normal that are really completely crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's a fun story and it's a fun, it's a fun run that comes after it. Um, I think Supergirl is one of those characters that she is long overdue for her time in the spotlight. And, you know, after a movie that, you know, basically failed and um, different comic series having a hard time staying in place once the main character creator who, who came up with the idea goes away. Um, it's, you know, she's been a character who's had a hard time keeping her place in the world. Um, but, you know, having her on TV is awesome. Uh, and, I think it is definitely well worth the effort to go and grab the showcases or grab the archives. You'll get more, um, you'll get more bang for your buck and you'll get more comics if you get the two showcase volumes, cause they put more in each volume. Um, but, but yeah. And, and two runs that I really recommend finding some point are the, um, the eight or nine issues that lead up to her revelation to the world and the um, eight or nine issues about how she finds out her parents are not dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a great, great storyline when she, I'll try to get you all the issue numbers in case that's ever something yeah. you want to talk about on the show. Cause those are, yeah. those are both good. That's well, a really good run. That Argo city run. That's terrific. I call it the Argo city run. But. All right. That's, those are great recommendations. Uh, thanks for that. Um, Carly, what, what are your overall thoughts on action comics 252? What, what did you take away from it? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I I touched a little bit on this before about kind of drawing parallels between this introduction of Supergirl and the Supergirl that we see on the TV show now. And it, as, as many times, I think, as her origin story has been tweaked and rewritten and retconned and, and reimagined over the years, there's still kind of a common thread that we're getting. Um, the fact that she's in a different city than Superman, the fact that she has a different city to save she's not you know she's not as strong of a superhero right away she kind of has to come into her own identity and i like that we we see that here even from the very beginning um i think i thought that was a nice thing you know as as someone who's wasn't as familiar with her origin story at least in this issue for sure i mean i've read you know i've read later uh later comics you know this i've just read the sterling gates uh Supergirl run, which is really good. Not the one that we're, yeah, not the one that we're reading right now. This is a tie into the show, but, um, but you still see, I mean, there's, there's kind of underlying themes that I think are really important for her character. And so it's, it was nice to see that 
here reflected in the very first issue. So I really liked it too. I thought it was cute. That was my, that was my cool. feeling on it overall. <laughs> it was a little, it was a cute little story and, and we, it was the genesis of a character that, you know, and we're seeing this story. I mean, not an exact, you know, retelling, but we're seeing parts of this now. I mean, we saw part of this from season one, I think a little bit. So it's nice. It's nice to go back to where it all started. I agree. It's it's neat to see how, you know, things started in Action Comics 252 and just to see like that people people have used this as, as source material to pull from and it's still very relevant to today and and even to the TV show and I, I just thought it was so fitting that uh, John Bob that I was going to have you guys on to share Superman and Supergirl knowledge and that the same week we did that we found out Superman was kind of c- going to come on <laughs> the show in season two so um, it's just it's fun to take that and then apply it to this story where we get to see Superman and Supergirl meet for the first time. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's just very fortuitous uh, podcasting wise that that kind of <laughs> came together. So uh, that was really uh, fun to discuss. So I, th- uh, I think that's going to do it for our, our big Action Comics number 252 discussion. Uh, so big thanks to Bob and John from Giant Superman podcast, which everyone should listen to. Um, and, and speaking of which, how can people find you guys on the Internet? John, you go. Um, I do lots of things. Um, I do the Giant Superman <laughs> podcast with Bob at giantsuperman.libson.com. Um, I like summertime because it gives me a chance to to spend more time with my podcast than I usually get. This weekend, you can look forward to the debut of johnreadscomics.com, which will be a sort of clearinghouse for all of my different shows I'm involved in, including the new 52 Adventures of Superman, Giant Superman, and coming soon, new episodes of Amazing Spider-Man Classics, which is a show that I used to do that I'm reviving with a new panel of of people with me. So, um, yeah, lots of stuff out there. But JohnReadsComics.com is going live the weekend after this show goes up. And there's no H in JohnReadsComics.com. Yay. Bob, how about you? <laughs> well, um, other than Giant Superman podcast, which I do with John M. Wilson, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there. guy. Yeah, he's cool. Um my main Superman show is actually Superman Forever Radio, the Superman Forever Radio podcast at supermanforever.com. Uh, just released today, actually, episode 101 and Talking Congrats. Rebirth. Thank you. Talking Rebirth and, gee, Superman's going to be on Supergirl. <laughs> so, so I, I uh, mentioned that but yeah I had uh, my 100th episode where we had J. David Weeder come on who started Superman Forever and he and I just talk just talk and it's a uh, we had a lot of fun actually so Superman Forever Radio is uh, where you can really find me anywhere and on the net I'm Bob Fisher on Facebook so I have family, friends, and podcasters all in the same place. It's wonderful overlapping when worlds collide. <laughs> I also I also book the faces and I, I tweet under at John Reads Comics. There you go. So everybody needs to follow and, and like pages um, yeah. because these guys are, are great podcasters. Um, well, thanks for having me on again. This is just, you know, really cool. I love this show. Love, love, love this show. So... Nice job, ladies. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. 
Um, I'm also a huge fan of all of your podcasts, um, your collective podcasts. So uh, I, it's a thrill to have you guys on. Um, well, and if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can find us um, at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist. And now that Google Play has a podcast feature, uh, you can listen to us there as well. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. We are also part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and the DC movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, at Carly Lane. Uh, I am weekend editor at The Mary Sue, which you can go to at themarysue.com. That's pretty much it. Just those two. (laughs) But those are still great. Um, Yes. So definitely (laughs) follow and and read all of Carly's awesome stuff at the Mary Sue. Um, Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And we hope you enjoyed this overdue episode of Action Comics number 252 on Supergirl Radio. (laughs) 